Well, it's fallen my lot, and I assume you've still got your Bibles open at uh, Ephesians 6. And that's just to conclude our brief study uh, in this uh, book that uh, Paul has written to the Ephesian church. And um, I want to conclude by just starting to touch upon this question of uh, spiritual warfare. Now, that's a big topic too, but let me ask you a rhetorical question. Or a couple of rhetorical questions, really. If I were to ask you... Uh, what are some of the biggest sources of irritation and opposition that the Christian faces today? I wonder what you might say. I suspect, I suspect you might say something like, well, um, the bit that I think that is tough for Christians right now is terrorism. Terrorism that uses religion as an excuse. Or you might say something about today's culture that is totally alien to God's plan and God's word and you might think that's a big opposition to the Christian life and the Christian ethic and the, qu- the qu- question that we then come up with is how do we pray in these situations so in Ephesians 6:12, we learn this for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms so these powers what are these powers that we're talking about that are the real enemy of the followers of Jesus and here in Ephesians we're, we're, we're shown that we must be aware of these powers and to stand against them. Now, when we pray, we often pray in a particular way. I know I'm guilty of this at any rate. Because so many of our prayers um, don't involve a spiritual battle. For example, um, if you're praying a blessing on somebody or if you're praying for guidance over a a job application or you're asking for God uh, for wisdom for how to handle a particular situation, you're not actually in a battle with the heavenly powers. But we can miss the fact that some situations require us to stand against those uh, powers of darkness. And some do require us to pray in a different manner entirely. If we pause to consider more closely what we are praying about, we will discover that our prayers frequently concern human affairs and situations that are a battle against that, those evil powers that we've just discussed. And too often we mistakenly direct our prayers to the situation alone and asking for God's intervention to achieve a good outcome when his word has instructed us uh, to address the evil influence that has permeated the hearts and minds of these evil men. These unscrupulous men that are open to those, those suggestions that the evil powers might put in their minds. Because we mustn't forget, we mustn't forget that all evil stems from a realm above, which is led by Satan. All evil. 
And it's in constant conflict with God's kingdom that we are part of. God's kingdom of righteousness and light against the powers of darkness. Now I don't know a lot about um, this area of conflict. And it's rare that we talk about spiritual warfare and battles in the heavenlies. But the Bible has given us a few glimpses about what is going on. Now, forgive me if I talk about some things which are fairly commonplace, but there are some senior participants in this battle in the heavenlies. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's only one archangel mentioned in the Bible. Uh, a, a Bible scholar may find me incorrect, and please do if you, if you do spot it. But the only archangel I've read of is Michael. Now Michael is the only one who's the archangel. But there's also another angel that we read of, a former angel that we read of, whose name is Lucifer. A beautiful angel. Wonderful, marvellous angel. Who is in fact now Satan. And Lucifer, we believe, although it's not stated, we believe once had a rank similar to that of the Archangel Michael. We also know of other senior figures there, but Gabriel's a, 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 an, a, one of the angels. We, we often talk about the angel Gabriel, and he was God's messenger on important situations. And in fact, uh, Gabriel, we read of him talking to Daniel in a couple of occasions. He talked to Zacharias uh, before the, the birth of uh, John the Baptist. He talked to Mary before the birth of Jesus. But he's never referred to as an archangel. It's only the angel, Gabriel. And we know that there are other heavenly beings. There are cherubim, there are seraphim, there are other angels. In fact, there's a whole host of angels there that are divided. Some followed Lucifer in his fall. Others stayed faithful to the Heavenly Father. Now, how do we know about Lucifer, for example? Well, we learn about Lucifer's rebellion to God in Isaiah 14, verse 12. Okay, and here how Lucifer fell is described. How, you fall, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground who did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the sides of the pit. That's what we learn about Lucifer, who is now what we call Satan. Likewise, we know something about um, Michael's involvements. Um, Michael talked to uh, Daniel in a vision. 
in fact he, uh, he says these words don't be afraid Daniel since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God your words were heard and I've come in response to them but the prince of the Persian kingdom which is another reference to Satan resisted me 21 days then Michael one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there now if you're worried that you don't always get answers to prayers straight away here's an example of where it took 21 days before that answer could be given there's a battle going on in the heavenlies that we are completely unaware of in our natural state but the other thing we realize is that we know that Lucifer good old Satan's days are numbered Jesus confirms Satan's destiny when he sees his disciples returning joyfully after they've been sent out as the 70 and they came back rejoicing over the fact that the demons etc were subject to them and that they just just had that power that Jesus had commissioned them with and Jesus says in response to that he says and he said to them I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven behold I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you that's the same power that God has given each one of us because of what Vladimir was showing us Jesus has accomplished it all and he lives in me and he lives in you when you've accepted him as your saviour Satan continues to use the same methods today that he used against Eve in the Garden of Eden he subtly tries to persuade his victim uh, uh, that what they've got in their mind isn't really a problem don't let doubt spoil your intentions you can see you can almost hear Satan giving that sort of cajoling sort of persuasive nastiness into the ears of those that are susceptible so he places tempting thoughts in our minds and in the minds of any human who is willing to entertain them but know this neither Satan nor any of his demons can make anyone that's you and I do anything they cannot make you because there's no such thing as the words that you sometimes hear people say the devil made me do it the devil didn't make you do it we sin when we allow that persuasive voice to become our own personal choice we choose he cannot force us so we've got to resist that temptation we've got to resist that voice and follow what we know to be God's ways and Paul understands this and he talks elsewhere in Corinthians he talks about taking every thought captive he says for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh now there's the same words but divinely powerful 
for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we, that's you and I, are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul suggests that we need to modify and control our thinking. It's in our minds that these things start to occur when we start to look on the other side and start to covet and start to think that would be nice to have or that would be nice to do and we know it's contrary to what God wants us to do. So Paul is suggesting we need to modify and take control of our thinking. And he suggests in this manner that our prayers therefore should not simply be a list of requests but in some instances an engagement against the evil powers that have influence over these deluded men and women as such. So when we go back to that possible suggestion about terrorism, our prayers shouldn't just seek to uh, change their behaviour, but form a demand. Take authority over those things. Make those authoritative commands and take them in the name of Jesus. So you might therefore say to them, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off these deluded men. Take your hands off. Command them. You have authority over that situation. You have the influence in the heavenlies to change situations in that. Against those things happening in our society, which we know... Uh, our culture of today is so open and so absorbing of things that are contrary to what God's word is and it's corrupting the minds of, uh, of mankind and influencing leaders to promote ungodliness but our battles are not against flesh and blood so what do we pray? How do we pray in those situations? You corrupt powers. You defy the principles of our God and corrupt the minds of susceptible men. The Lord rebuke you because you don't have authority to say, I rebuke you, but the Lord does. But you have the authority to speak into those situations with all the authority and power of God behind you because that's what the Lord tells us to do in the, these situations. And if you're unsure what to pray, what can we do? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. God's given you a spiritual tongue in which you can engage spiritually with the Lord, even though you don't understand the content of what you're speaking about. Now Christians can get all spooky and all hesitant uh, when it comes to addressing these supernatural enemies of God. But we have absolutely nothing, nothing to be afraid of. We are covered with the, with the sanctifying blood of Jesus. He's already obtained the victory against all these powers. Well, we're on the victory side. We're on the winning team. And that's the bit we've got to realise. And what does is, what is Paul say in the, against these things? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Be confident in the, in the, in the faith that you have. 
And then he says again, uh, or 1 John says, not Paul, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Great confidence here, you know. Paul wants to remind us of our status in Christ. Do you remember in the, in the first chapter, we looked at these words. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. I'll go on. And he's incomparably great power for us to be, who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Not only in this present age, but now, in this age which was to come when he wrote it. And God placed all things under his feet. Hallelujah. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing heritage we own. Are we using it? Are we believing it? Are we holding on to that truth that we have this power within us that Christ has won on our behalf? And finally, in, in this Ephesians chapter, we, we come to the, the, the point um, that Paul reminds us uh, about the battles. And he uses a, a, a very familiar metaphor. He uses the metaphor of the, of the Roman soldier and the armour that he wears. And he says, you know, stand firm therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, being firm in the gospel of peace, etc., etc. I'm not going to speak about these individual things because we'll be here all day. But remember, these are attributes which we have, which we possess as Christians. Now, the thing I want to say to you in concluding is that armour is worn in battle. And the battle isn't in here in the cosy meeting uh, place it's not just a holy huddle that we enter battle with the enemy it's not amongst other Christians our mission God's intent for our lives lies outside of here and it's among the communities where we live it's in the workplace, it's in the office, uh, it's among our neighbours, it's with our unsaved friends and our, un, uh, our needy family members. And it's for this reason alone, this reason alone that we promoted community groups. We want to get engaging with those that are around us. We want to involve ourselves with the people outside. Yes, we can enjoy fellowship, and fellowship is good, it's a, it's a lovely thing. But there's a world out there that needs you. For you to share. Just living in a godly way, in a righteous way. And it's in these places that here are the, here are the real weapons. We need to reveal the truth. We need to demonstrate the righteousness of God's kingdom. We need to let people see the gospel of peace that we're, we're practicing. We need to faithfully deflect, resist, 
stand against all those errors that come in this world at this time. Be confident of the salvation that you have, ready to give an account of the hope that is within you. That's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Being ready at all times to give an account of the hope that God has put within us because of what Christ has done for us. There's a desperately needy world out there and it needs you. And you're fully equipped to fearlessly take your stand there as a warrior for Christ, wearing all that armour, carrying all that armour in your confidence of God. That's what Ephesians is about too. Christ's victory, your commission. Amen? Amen.